Hey, Sam. Hey, Bev. How's it going? It's going really well over here. Well, yeah, because of alcohol, right? Right? I mean, well, you know. <laughs> have we ever started this and said that it's not going well? Not yet, but you know what? It's only been about six months, so, you know, the world is our oyster. Oyster? Am I saying that right? Oyster? Oyster. Oyster. Oyster? Yeah, that's right. It's such a freaking weird word. (laughs) It is kind of a weird word. (laughs) But anyways, what did you just open over there? So I am holding on to Summer by her balls, I guess for lack of a better word. (laughs) What? Summer is a male? Okay. I mean, yeah. Summer, I don't know that Summer necessarily has a gender, but I'm trying to hold on to it for as long as humanly possible. So Uh I am drinking Shade by Mad Tree Brewing Company, which is a brewing company out of Cincinnati, Ohio. And this Shade is a tart fruit ale with blackberries and sea salt added. And it's very delicious. And it's a beautiful little beer, too. It sort of uh, pours out in like this uh, pinky purpley color Ooh. and I've been really enjoying it so I saw it like the at the regular grocery store this week and I was like mm, I love Mad Tree it's one of my favorite local breweries or you know as local as I can get I'm like an hour and a half from all of the breweries so mm-hmm. I mean um, it's pretty close and it's delicious and it's a summertime beer so I'm gonna be drinking a summertime beer next week too spoiler alert yummy so what are you drinking over there? So I am drinking a Viognier, which I did have to uh, Google how to say that because it's spelled V-I-O-G-N-I-E-R, but very explicitly said on the internet, V-O-N-Y-E-R. So that's how I'm remembering it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but it's it's from France. And it says on the bottle, um, it's heady aromatics of delicate white flowers and juicy, perfectly ripened flavors of peach and apricot. But honestly, when I taste it, it tastes like a freaking white grape, um, which isn't a bad thing. It's fine. It's a white wine. I originally tried Viognier about a year ago because I'd never heard of it before. And I like to try new weird wines when I can. Apparently, this isn't that new or weird, but... It's imported and bottled in Napa, California, but the grapes and everything, um, it comes over in big barrels from France. So, yeah, 13.0% alcohol by volume. Ooh. Um, And apparently it pairs well with pork. And I already had a glass because we did a little special pre-recording. But the name of it is like La Colline Sacré. Sacré? I don't know. We'll take pictures of what we're drinking. Um, it's French. I don't speak French at all. Um, but you know what? It tastes like adult grape juice, so I'm happy. I mean, isn't that what we all want? To just be drinking yeah. fruit juice that makes us happy? Yeah, I wish it made me skinny too. But you know, I mean, I'm sure that science doesn't. is working on that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, all I've had to eat today is like three Cinnabon cinnamon rolls. Um, like the ones, the Pillsbury ones. So I... You know, and I'm pretty sure I burned that off doing chores earlier, but you know, so I'm sure this is going to hit me a little harder than I expect, which is fine, you know, because it's Sunday and we drink and we farm things. So that's all the reason we need. Right. (laughs) 
Every day is Sunday fun day around here. <laughs> or at least Sunday is always a fun day. I don't know where I was going with that. I mean, sometimes I get what they call the Sunday scaries, which is where you realize tomorrow is Monday. And then you have this doom, imp- like impending doom coming your way. But you know what? It's fine. Um, and I don't know if you can hear the rooster in the background. Apparently, there's a rooster in the front yard now. Yeah, I mean, that's all right. The podcast is called We Drink and We Farm Things. So I think the rooster yeah. making a noise just sort of makes you more legit, right? That's That might be true. And But usually, we save them for the commercials. So I'll have to tell Sir Lance a lot to please hold for when he's actually needed. <laughs> <laughs> it's too early to insert a commercial, but that would have been convenient. <laughs> yeah, that totally would have been. Sorry, I was taking selfies of myself with my beer behind my (laughs) microphone so that we had it so that we could thank our Patreon supporter for sponsoring our beers this episode. Woohoo! And we have a new Patreon supporter for the very first time. Um, Our Patreon supporter is Christine Siani. I believe that's that, that that's how you pronounce it. We'll have to double check with her to make sure that we pronounce her last name right. Christine, or maybe it's Kiani. But her Instagram is easy enough. It's at homemade underscore confetti. I know I'm saying that right. For sure. Um, <laughs> so you guys can find her there if you're interested in stalking her because she's awesome for, you know, um, paying for our drinks. So cheers. Cheers to lady. you. Thank you so much. Welcome. Yeah, welcome to the Patreon Supporter Club and supporting our um, drinking habit. (laughs) Our drinking and farming habit? (laughs) Yes, yes. We should be more specific. They go hand in hand. They do, yeah. We we don't just like drink and just like have a drinking problem. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and speaking of Patreon, Bev had the really awesome idea of posting a industry standard podcast survey on our Facebook group, We Drink and We Farm Things, and some people give us some really great feedback. So if you've noticed, we still BS'd like a little, but we're going to be intentional about BSing a little less on the main podcast here because some of the feedback was like, you guys talk too much and I feel like I'm listening to a conversation that I don't understand. Um, some people really like that. Some people don't. So we're trying something new and I'm going to let Bev explain it since this was like because of her great idea of putting that survey on. <laughs> <laughs> so what we're doing is uh, Sam and I already had our BS and we recorded it. So all of that is up on the Patreon page and it isn't like you don't have to be a Patreon supporter to listen to it. If you do become a Patreon supporter, you'll get to you get like your own RSS feed so you can plug it into your podcast player and you can listen to that like it's its own podcast as well if you would like to. Mm-hmm. And if you're into that thing, if you don't like the BS, you don't have to go there and listen to it. We tried to make it really easy. It would be up there for you to enjoy and there would be one for every episode. I mean, unless by some chance we didn't feel the need to BS beforehand, but... I kind of doubt that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that seems really unlikely. But what's super cool is that like now we're only about eight minutes in and we get to just dive into the episode. So this whole episode is going to mostly be drinking and farming um, and yeah. not just our random conversations. So I'll have a link right. to Patreon in the show notes so you can go check that out. We'd love your feedback on it. You can say, hey, I had no interest in listening to, listening to your BS. So you can say... I love the BS. That was a lot of fun. Thank you for separating it for me so I could have just 
a podcast of you and Sam BSing. <laughs> right. And some people do care to know more about us personally, even outside of the farming. So we, we did get a little personal. I mean, we both talked about, you talked about one of your children. I talked about one of my stepkids and kind of some common issues we're having. So if you're into like just kind of being nosy, I mean, it's not really being nosy because we're putting it out there. But if you want to know more details about just us as human beings, you can go ahead and see what you think about it. Hopefully you still like us at the end of it. Um, (laughs) But I did. This is breaking news. Sam said the F word when we were recording. So Sam lost the bet, I guess, because we had like kind of a non-real bet of who would say the F word first. So we're going to try to save the F word for Patreon and not like overuse it. But if it comes out, not a big deal. Um, But just to warn you, if you have children around, um, it's not any cleaner over there. In fact, it might be a little worse um, and a little more unfiltered. Maybe we could call it something like, what's something really dirty in farming? Mm-hmm. Like <laughs> Bev and Sam's compost oh. pile? Ooh, maybe. Yeah. I don't know. I had to scrape a lot of rabbit shit out of the hutch today, and that was really dirty, but I don't think we want to yeah, call it rabbit shit. I cleaned both shit. the coop um, and the goat stall today. In like one hour right before we recorded. So not only do I smell like shit, um, I probably have some on my hands. (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) It's fine. Under your Mm. nails, maybe. Yeah. You know, deep down. Maybe maybe we can call it something about fertilizer. I don't know. It smells like like country. country, I don't know. (laughs) We'll figure it out. We'll BS on that later. Yes. (laughs) But yeah, like Bev said, give us feedback if you like it cool if you don't i mean we don't have to record us warming up to do the real thing i mean it's just we're trying to give you guys we're trying to make everybody happy which isn't something you yeah can we know that that's do, not capable we're but, not capable of that nobody yeah is, but. but we don't want to take away the bs from the people that actually enjoy it but we don't want to force anybody or like force anybody to hit like the 15 second jump ahead button for like freaking 20 minutes because <laughs> because we you know, can't shut up <laughs> they don't want to listen to it yeah exactly so we're trying to do best there we of go both worlds and here. we'll see how it works so, out um, yeah. and this is really exciting because the when this episode drops this is like this marks the sixth month of us doing drink and farm so this is sort of like an anniversary Ooh. episode it's like we're renewing our oh. vows to each other <laughs> if you can't tell Bev and Sam sh- drank while they were BSing before we recorded the episode. Yeah. <laughs> oh, hopefully this doesn't make it worse. No, I don't oh, think so. This is yeah. I, this is going to be a good episode. I can feel it. You guys are going to like it. Yeah. But we did want to take the time to like redefine what we're doing here because Bev pointed out to me before we started recording again that a lot of podcasts have like a really concise you know, intro or something where they kind of restate their mission or the goal of the podcast every episode. And we don't really do that. Uh, We just say hi to each other and then start to ramble. So Bev put together some awesome notes of what we really want this podcast to be. So obviously, you know, we talked about this the last last episode um, and it's something I say We should tell them what the name of the podcast is first. Oh, (laughs) okay. So, um, in case you guys didn't know, we, our podcast name is We Drink and We Farm Things. And I would really just like to point out what I point out regularly. Um, rule number one of the podcast is don't be a dick and that we will ward off the dicks with all the positive vibes. 
So I just, I know that's probably not like the number one mission of Drinking Farm, <laughs> but since it's something that I say all the time, I wanted to claim that part. <laughs> but yeah, you know, that's just the number one rule. And I think that's like an umbrella of a lot of the tone of how we handle things. I mean, me and Bev are so laid back. We agree on things most of the time that we talk about, but we purposely don't bring in things like religion or politics. This podcast is a place for us to discuss um, things that are just going on in like the homesteading and and hobby farming world. And we expect that our listeners are people that have a sense of humor and they like to hear about those things and hear about our drinks. We talk about current events that are going on in farming, funny articles that we mm-hmm. came across um, that have something to do with farming, TV shows that have to do with farming themes, things happening on our own farms. Um, we tell your guys' stories when you send them. So if you have a funny farm story, don't forget to send it to drinkandfarm at gmail.com. We will read it on the podcast um, because this is your podcast also. It's supposed to be your entertainment and your happy hour, your bit of social hour while you're doing your chores, whether it's folding your laundry or mucking your barn stalls, cleaning your chicken coops, or even if it's just driving to your day job while you dream about having your own hobby farm or homestead. That's what we hope this podcast does for you. So, um, and we give zero clucks about what judgmental people think of us or our farms or how we do things around here. And we know that we're not going to do things the way that everybody thinks in their head it should be done. We just try to give you real Mm -hmm. information on the real problems that we're having or the real victories we're having, the real feelings we're having. We're trying to keep it real. Yeah, exactly. And slightly unfiltered. I mean, Bev one time compiled a list or like a, a 40 minute track of our it wasn't 40 minutes it was episode. just a few <laughs> okay like 40 <laughs> seconds um yeah see um uh <laughs> now i can't stop umming and awing uh we've gotten better i think or she's just cutting less of them because we just care less but yeah so we are filtered in that there is some editing that happens but all of our ideas, you know, we try to research, we just try to do the best we can. um, Because that's kind of the theme of the podcast is just do the best you can. And in the moment that you're in, um, God, now that I'm saying, now I'm noticing all my That's all right. I actually don't cut hardly (laughs) any of our ums anymore, because we don't say it as often as you think that we do. Um, That's good. We must be getting more. You just said um. Uh, And I'm saying ah. And yeah, so we just know we want to give you guys some grace and some safety in this place. I'm not more really like a quote unquote safe space person. But I do want you guys to know that if you're in our group or on our Instagram and you say something like you're not going to be attacked, um, we will take what you say and work through ideas and things with you. It's a very a kumbaya kind of environment that we have. And I think that's just, that just speaks to the kind of listeners that we've attracted that they're very open-minded and nobody's rude to each other yep. so far anyways. There Let's we go. So <laughs> if you stumbled upon this, yes. uh, upon this podcast and you didn't know what it was, this is what it is. This is, we drink and we farm things we drink and we talk about our farming things. So let's hop right in it. Yeah. 
And this episode is sponsored by Henny and Rue, which is the subscription box that is for chickens and the people who love them. And if you head over to hennyandrue.com and subscribe to their monthly chicken box, you'll be able to get 10% off of that first box. And then once you are a member of the monthly subscription, you're able to get 10% off the whole store. So again, go over to honeyandrew.com to get set up. And that code that you want to use when you check out on your first subscription box is drink and farm, and you'll get 10% off. Woohoo! <laughs> so, corrections corner. Da, 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 da. I feel like this needs its own like little show music. Well, that's what we're working <laughs> on in the Patreon um, is getting some little tones to like start the tone for different things. So for now, we just have to announce it with words. Corrections corner. Woo! And Sam's sound effects. Last week, we talked about the Easy Riders Rodeo and how it was in both <laughs> Fowlerville and Chillicothe. Fowlerville is where Sam lives. Chillicothe is where I live. So we thought it was super weird yeah. that there was something going on that was going straight from her small town to my small town. And we didn't know what it was exactly. So we like made some funny assumptions about it. Well, I actually tried to research it so we could figure out what it was. I went to their website. All they had was obnoxious music with uh, motorcycle sounds. <laughs> so I'm sorry. I have nothing. I can't actually correct myself on that because for all I know, it really is just a rodeo where there are calves running around and guys following them around with motorcycles. I have no idea what it is. So I can't correct well, myself. So it's not a very good corrections corner. <laughs> well, Sam's here for the rescue. Oh, good. Um, <laughs> so I went, I put my phone on mute while I went to their website. Um, Smart. After reading your little warning here. And their little flyer says that it's camping. There are vendors. There's music. There's a poker crawl. Not sure what that oh, is. Oh, that's like um, a, that's like off-road vehicles, like a poker run. Oh, um, bar stool races. Do we know what that is? Mm, I have no idea. But I'm picturing uh, it in my head, yeah. and I'm LOLing for real. It just makes me think, like, there's a motorcycle that's pulling a bar stool behind them, and that just can't go well. So that's probably not what it is. But <laughs> uh, Or maybe you're, like, putting your head on a bar stool and going in circles and then trying to walk a straight line. I don't know. Mm. But there's also ride-in bike show, NTC drift trikers, a wet t-shirt contest so obviously this is not a family event and then a rodeo is this event stuck in like 1995 yeah i, I mean that so. was the last time wet t-shirt contests were cool right i mean i don't know i was banned from watching like mtv spring break but i'm pretty sure even in the 2000s they had wet t-shirt contests oh, okay maybe Beth's just yeah. a brood about some things well mm -hmm. and my husband likes to joke when he ever he has the hose Ooh, a t-shirt contest. So <laughs> well, but that's like different when your husband's brain. doing it. <laughs> that's kind of cute and funny. <laughs> oh, oh shit, though. There are pictures on here of these different events. Oh. It actually looks pretty crazy. Like the barstool thing. Way different than I thought. Oh, hmm. well, so what is the barstool thing? Since you can actually tell us. They're, they're like barstools, but on wheels. Okay. Like, I still can't understand. I'm so confused, but there are a lot of hoochie mamas, which, you know what? Let your freak flag fly. I don't care how you dress, but definitely not a family event. And I know the police presence definitely increases in Fowlerville this weekend <laughs> whenever it comes around. So is there a real rodeo, though? No, I don't think so. Oh, OK, so there's no, no animals. Oh, uh, 
I have I have a fun personal tidbit to share if anybody's interested Ooh, in it. Okay. I have my yeah. motorcycle license. What? Yeah. Badass Bev strikes again. I have my motorcycle license. I got it in 2004 because I bought a V-Star Classic 650, which is a Yamaha. If anybody wants to Google what it is, I won't like put one in the show notes because it's really not that interesting. But my motorcycle was purple and I drove it to and from work. Um, But I didn't ride it as often as I thought I would because my anxiety wouldn't actually let me ride it <laughs> for, for as often oh as I really God. wanted to because I was always imagining all the terrible things that were going to happen while I was on it and then shortly after that I got pregnant with Orion so um, once he was well I obviously didn't ride it while I was pregnant with him but once he was born I just decided to go ahead and sell it because I thought that like you know I don't know I wanted to be here when he graduated high school. You're um, a mom now. Yeah. So you had to, like, so cut that shit out. <laughs> I felt like I had to be more responsible. Not that you're irresponsible if you ride a motorcycle and you have kids. It's not where I'm going with this. It's just that for myself, like, I didn't want to pay a babysitter just so that I could go ride my motorcycle, I guess, is long story short. Because yeah. you can't ride a motorcycle with a baby strapped to your chest, obviously. No, probably not. Yeah, it was a terrible idea. But my dad and I went on a couple of motorcycle rides together. That's why I got it, because my dad had a motorcycle, and he had his motorcycle license, and he lived in Joshua Tree or 29 Palms, which was just a few hours from where I lived in Phoenix. So he would ride out, and then we would get my bike out, and we would go ride together, like in the hills. And then we'd come back, and then he'd go ride home. So that was why I had it. And it was a lot of fun. Wow. Tiny tidbit about that. Yeah. Bev is just full of surprises. See, Sam's anxiety is so bad that she won't even, like, get on the back of one. Oh. So, yeah. yeah. Hell, hell no. Um, maybe if it was my husband driving, but I've been on the back of a snowmobile while my husband was driving. <laughs> oh, no. He's he's a dick. He likes to purposely try to scare me. I'm sure like, that he, he forced me. He forced me to get on the top thrill dragster during our, hun- our mini mm. honeymoon um, at Cedar Point. I just love like that 410 motor- feet in the air. I almost called that a motorcycle. I love that roller coaster. It's awesome. Oh, <laughs> uh, you should. S- I have the pictures like right on my desk here. The look of terror on the way up and on the way back down is just amazing. <laughs> you might have to share that for us. Oh, I should. I should put it on the Patreon. I used to love motor motorcycles. See, now, now I'm doing it. Yep. I used to love roller coasters, but I think the older I get, the more my brain likes to try to play tricks on me um i've also dropped or jumped out of a plane before i'm not sure that i would do it again because as you get older i think you realize your mortality (laughs) or if you go through big life events like getting married or you know having babies or things like that some people just adjust the way they are living their life based on their own personal anxieties like like bev said totally not judging anybody that still enjoys roller coasters or anything after they've given birth um that's just where i'm at myself (laughs) but i haven't pushed anything out of my vagina um and i yeah i'm still getting more conservative with my um adrenaline highs in my 30s so there you go sam says the f word on patreon and then she says vagina on the regular podcast so um, hopefully that doesn't offend too many people. I mean, today. I shouldn't. That's the actual biological term for it. <laughs> Somehow we had a BS session and we still managed to BS for 20 minutes. Sam and Bev are fired. Yeah. Fudge. <laughs> See, I almost said the F word, but then I turned it into fudge. There we go. Because this is the regular podcast. Anyways, that's what we get for having a corrections corner. 
Maybe we should do Corrections Corner on Patreon. <laughs> maybe Corrections Corner needs to be moved to the end. I don't know. We'll think about oh, that. Maybe. Um, but we do. We have All some right. really good follow up uh, from our last yes. episode. Towards the end of it, we sort of went off on a tangent on some of the um, issues that I had back when I was not feeling so good because of my sciatic nerve and whatnot. And we briefly talked about warming the goats with ivermectin. And the oral antibiotic that I bought from Tractor Supply. So I did a little bit of research on them both so that I could actually share like the real information that people needed if they wanted to use either of those products. So the first thing we'll talk about really quick is the oral antibiotic that I got from Tractor Supply. It's the Dervet Mm -hmm. uh, brand and it's a 300,000 unit G procaine penicillin. There are different types of Mm. penicillins. So this is the G procaine penicillin. It's like 15 bucks from Tractor Supply. I decided I wanted to have it on hand in case anybody had an infection. You know, like somebody gets a cut with something that's really gross or dirty. Or I recognize the symptoms of an illness that can only be healed like by antibiotics. Because there are just some sicknesses that you can't get over yourself. Like your body just can't fight them without the antibiotic. The same is true for animals. So I wanted to have an antibiotic on hand even though they do have withdrawal periods. So the G-procaine penicillin is given at three cc's per 50 pounds for a goat once a day. And it's given sub-Q, which is subcutaneous. I always say that wrong. I'm positive. Which means that you tent the skin up and you put the needle in and you inject it under the skin, not into the muscle or into veins. Okay. But for chickens, it's 0.1 cc per pound. Um, So if you have a 10-pound chicken, it's one cc. If you have a five-pound chicken, it's a half a cc. And you give it to chickens intramuscularly, which means that you put it straight into their muscle. And um, one of the websites that I found recommended that you inject it in the breast tissue and you alternate sides for each shot. You just do it once a day for three or four days. Um, And you never give antibiotics to anything for less than three days because you want to give it time to actually fight the infection. Um, because if you decide to use antibiotics, if you give it for too short of uh, an amount of time, you run the risk of creating antibiotic-resistant bacteria, which is not good for anybody. It's bad for your farm. It's bad for all of the farms around you. So if you decide to go the antibiotic route, if somebody gets sick, three to four days, never less than three, seven is the max. You want to see a vet okay. if you think that your animal is sick enough that it requires treatment for more than seven days or at least that's what my research said I mean everybody's experience with that is going to be a little different but I thought I'd share what I found on that because I I thought it was interesting I I never thought that I would be giving antibiotics on my farm but you know like I also when I had Aurora I was under the impression that I was never going to give her antibiotics but she got ear infections and (sighs) other things and I just had like no other way to treat them once they got bad enough. So I'm learning a lot like about myself and about taking care of things while doing this homesteading thing. (laughs) And while it's not like the picture that I had in my head, I'm doing my best to learn about as many things as possible so that that the decisions I make can at least have all of the information that they can have. I think it's admirable too that you realize that you have to adjust some of your perceptions or quote unquote, maybe even beliefs based on real things that happen to you that you're not so stubborn and set in stone 
about certain things that you can adjust to do what's best for not just your farm, but it sounds like even your family. So I think that speaks volumes of your character and who you are as a human being, that you're that flexible. Well, because a lot of people aren't (laughs) that way. And social media, I mean, shows that every single day. I mean, have you seen Facebook feed? ever i mean <laughs> we we have talked on the podcast before about how facebook uh, is just a cesspool of people shouting yes each other. <laughs> and it's like i i'm so not on there as much the only reason i like to go on there at this point is because of our our facebook group and just like for close family who i i know who the assholes are there so i know what to expect yeah but- <laughs> Yeah, no, I think, like I said, and I I try very hard to have that same mindset, too, with anything in farming and even just my stepchildren being flexible in some of your ideas and your beliefs, because as times change and people grow, like it just, you know, you you have to be okay with change. So I guess that's that kind of reverts back to what we were talking about earlier about like the mission of the podcast of being open yeah. and flexible in thought. <laughs> well, and it's funny. I feel like a lot of this podcast is just sort of like our mm-hmm. journey into like sort of tipping our toe into farming. Cause like neither of us would really consider ourselves like, I mean, we say farmer, but like at the same tone, like we don't farm hundreds of acres or anything. And farming is not our full-time profession. So we really are just sort of learning as we go along. Yeah, Exactly. And when the goats had worms, we talked about this in No Wonder My Goats Have Diarrhea. Oh, okay. Was that the episode? Or it's either that or the episode after that. I don't remember what numbers they are. But we talked about how I gave ivermectin to my goats to worm them. I never gave you guys explicit information on how I really did that. So I got this directly from my breeder. It's the 1% ivermectin. And you give it to goats orally. You don't inject it into goats, even though ivermectin is an injectable wormer. It's injected for cattle, I believe. Mm. So you have to use an 18-gauge needle to draw it out. Anything smaller than that, the chunks of the ivermectin will have trouble like getting through the needle because it's kind of a... It's it's a heavy liquid, I guess, for lack of a better term. And then you'll unscrew the needle off of the syringe and then you'll administer it orally through the side of the mouth. And to give goats um, medicine orally, I just sort of like wrap one arm over them and sort of rub underneath their their neck and put the syringe on the side of their mouth and they'll drink it down um, without too much fight. I used to try to like wrench their mouths open and like put it down. No, the goats don't like it when you do that. I figured out when I'm nicer to them and I pet them and I sort of like talk them into it, then they'll do it. And ivermectin tastes like garbage. So they really, really hate it. So you want to do it really quickly. Mm. And I gave them one CC, which is also one milliliter per 22 pounds so all of my goats are around 22 pounds so everybody just got one milliliter at that time but you'll want to do the math to figure out what your dose is but before you worm you want to consult the Fematcha chart Mm -hmm. which we talked about in the episode after the one where I talked about worming the goats because somebody had sent us a really nice letter and told us um, how to use the Fematcha chart properly to worm goats so I'll link to that again in the show notes just as a follow-up and that's all I have for follow-up so our next corner is housekeeping corner which is the spot where we just tell you to join our Facebook group rate us in all the places that includes iTunes Stitcher Spotify yeah you know the drill Don't forget to check out our Patreon, which is where we put our BS before the episode started recording. Mm -hmm. 
Sorry, we BS'd for a little longer than I than I thought we would this episode. Whoops. Um, but that's okay. You can have more BS up on the Patreon. And we're at 85% of our Patreon goal for the month, which is really exciting. By the time this episode drops, we might be at 100%. Um, but my goal was that we would reach $100 per month on our Patreon. And the reason we have Patreon is so that we can pay for all of the cool tools that we need to do this podcast successfully mm-hmm. and efficiently and like put out the best product that we are capable of. This isn't a super organized podcast, as you've noticed. We're a little loosey-goosey when it comes to some of the rules of podcasting or like the structure of our show notes or whatnot. But I think that that's sort of the fun of it. In order to podcast well, you need good mics, you need good equipment, you need all of the subscriptions to all of the things that put the podcast out there, and all of that stuff costs money. So that's why we have Patreon. Um, that, and that's why we have commercials and and support for the podcast. So right. thank you yeah. to all of you guys. And we, we have a survey also that we're asking everybody to take, mm-hmm. which will allow us to get more sponsors. Yeah, and um, just to let you guys know, and Bev, correct me if I'm wrong, but this isn't the only reason you should join our Patreon. But as an FYI, next month is the month that if you pledge $5 or above, we send you some free swag. And Sam has oh, a couple yeah. of ideas rattling around in her brain that she still needs to run past Bev. But uh, if you're feeling like you've been on the fence about Patreon... You want to know what it's about as far as like what you're going to get if you give us a few dollars a month. Um, go check that out. Feel free to ask us questions about it because next month, $5 and above, we'll be getting a little gifty in the mail. Um, so if you're at $1 or $2 level, maybe you want to try $5 level, you know, just give it a shot for a month to see what it's like. That's always an option too. Um, but we, like Bev said, we're not in this for the money. The only reason we do the gifty thing is to kind of give back to you guys that are supporting us every month because we really do appreciate it. And I don't know about you, Bev, but I'm a little dumbfounded that some people want to give us money. Um, <laughs> yeah. I to mean, keep doing I what we're doing and supporting what we're doing. So I, I just am humbled and flattered that you guys do support us. And some of you even pay for our drinks. Like that's crazy. So thank you guys. Yeah, for sure. Thank you. So that'll be, if you are a current Patreon by the time September 30th comes around, uh-huh. which is when the October 1st charge runs, in October we'll be mailing out the gifts. That's that's the yeah. way that we, it works. We, we usually do the drive for a whole month. So this episode is a little funky because it drops on August 31st. Um, so you get the whole month of September to decide whether or not you want to join. Uh-huh. You join um, the way Patreon works is it charges at the on the first of every month. So once that charge goes through, we get the report. And then in October, we make the gifts, wrap them up in package them, and mail them out. Yep. Ta-da. Ta-da. Yeah. Maybe I'll just send everybody U of M stuff so they can just, you know, shit all over Ohio State. <laughs> <laughs> um, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just That's a little warning to too. Uh, football season is upon us, and while we're trying to keep our BS to a minimum, there might be a little smack talk back and forth occasionally. So there's going to be some football BS, but I mean, I think it's clear that Sam is more of a football fan than Bev is, so I think Sam's going to be really good at the at the like SmackDown part, <laughs> and I'm just going to be like, I don't know, 
I, I like the college football. I watch the college football, but I'm not from Ohio, so I don't have the rivalry quite like Sam does. You'll be like, you're wrong. <laughs> and that'll be the end of it. And that's it. That's all I got. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, Ohio's a great state, and there's lots of beautiful things here. Uh-huh. <laughs> sure. <laughs> Hey, Bev, what repels insects and pests, increases pH to sweeten crops, sanitizes chicken coops, stables, and barns, and does about 20 other things? I don't know, Sam. What? Uh, For Saturday Lime, the organic, very, very safe to the point where you can eat it, but I don't recommend that, uh, lime product that you can use all over your farm and in your house. Well, more outside your house, but you get what I'm saying. It's safe to use inside your house. Yeah, and totally yes. don't eat it because it is not made of ground up limes. No, and while it looks kind of like cake powder, it's definitely not. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> That's the consistency of it, and I love that I can take that stuff out of the package with my bare hands if I forget my little scoopy and just spray it and make it rain all over the chicken coop. Yeah, because it's totally safe for chickens to ingest, to roll in. It's totally fine for them to breathe it in because unlike diatomaceous earth, it doesn't have any silica in it. So it's safe for lungs and it doesn't burn your animals or your hands like regular hydrated lime does. Yes. So you guys just have to try this if you haven't already or if you have before. You can still go to firstsaturdaylime.com and use our promo code at checkout. It is hashtag drink. And you will get 10% off. And you can use that code every time you lime. Because remember, it's first Saturday lime. You're supposed to use it every first Saturday. (laughs) I'm really excited to talk about this uh, because we just sort of talked about how I was growing and learning like as a person and as a homesteader. And then in my honey and rue boxes that I get every month, there's always, um, well, there's not always a magazine, but they'll like a couple of them I've gotten a magazine in and I don't Mm -hmm. always read it right away, but I was reading Backyard Poultry Magazine. I love these magazines because when you're sitting down and reading them, you're just sort of like engrossed in the information that they're giving you. And I happened to come across the article that they wrote about taking care of chicks um, and chickens, like to have a healthy flock. The issue that I'm looking at specifically is the June-July issue of 2018. And it Uh talks about coccidiosis and medicated chick feed. And I have baby chicks here. And I didn't read this before I decided what to feed them, unfortunately. But as listeners probably know, I have chosen so far not to give medicated chick feed. Uh I know Sam does give medicated chick feed, right? Yeah. Yep. And the reason that I wasn't giving medicated chick feed was because of a total misconception that I had about what medicated chick feed was. I thought that medicated chick feed was antibiotics. Oh. Yeah. um, Because that's like sort of how it's presented, I guess, like in the natural chicken keeping community. Oh, well, it's medicated. It's antibiotics. It's it's not good to just give medicine out like willy nilly. Mm -hmm. So Bev learned something new. (laughs) <laughs> I feed mine that through like the first six to eight weeks, which is generally depending on how many you have, like one 50 pound bag, 
We're going on, I think, week five or six. I can't remember off the top of my head, but we're almost through the first bag. So now I'm kind of like, well, do I want to switch to non-medicated chick starter or do I want to stick with the medicated? So, you know, it's kind of a personal decision at that point, but I know some people are very anti-medicated feed. Um, it is important to note, though, that for ducklings, I'm not sure about goslings, but specifically for ducklings, you do not want to feed them medicated feed. I can't remember why off the top of my head, but if you just Google like medicated feed ducklings, I'm sure a billion reasons will come up whether they're true or not. Some people will say there's not enough medication in it to really negatively affect a duckling, but I just err on the side of caution. So for ducklings, I do non-medicated for chicks, I do medicated. We can follow up on the duckling thing ne- next episode. So I'll put a note in the show yeah. notes um, so that we'll tell you guys why um, medicated chick feed isn't good for ducklings. But I thought that that was important because it's just like sort of a tiny little article that I came across in this magazine that I decided to randomly start picking up and reading. And I just like I realized like there's just so much misinformation out there. And I don't know like where I came across mm-hmm. that misinformation. It's possible that somebody just said medicated and I made the jump automatically myself to the fact that it was antibiotics. Or maybe I got that idea from something else somebody said in passing or typed in passing or mentioned on Instagram or a blog. It's hard to say, but this is exactly what we're talking about, what we're trying to do here. And I just happened to come across this information. So I wanted to just let people know, though, that if you are going to feed medicated chick feed, you have to feed the medicated feed exclusively until you change the feed to the non-medicated after they don't need it anymore. You can't switch back and forth between the two um, because you'll leave right. the chicks unprotected for a period of time and they can pick up the coccidiosis in that time. So once you make the decision to feed medicated feed, feed it straight through for the six to eight weeks and then switch to the non-medicated chick starter. Um, but don't go back and forth. Yeah. And I think some people do feed them, feed it to them th- like through almost to the point where they're switching over to layer feed, um, which is probably fine. I think at that point, it is kind of a personal decision how far you want to carry that along. Um, but personally, that's what I've done is about six to eight weeks. But and like Bev said, you've yeah, raised you don't a lot to go of back and forth. So, um, so I want to yeah. say that your experience is pretty valid. I've only raised... 14 chicks here on my farm and you've raised a ton more than that. I don't, I don't, even <laughs> don't know. count it. It's okay. You don't have to, I'm no. not going to make you do it. Um, and <laughs> have you had any coccidiosis like in your chicks before that you know of? Mm, no, not in the chicks. No, we had, um, uh, one after we switched over, I think she was about 15 weeks old. That did seem, I, I suspect that it, that's what it was, but we caught it early enough and we were able to turn the situation around um, without any kind of crazy medication. And that was like over a year ago. So I can't even remember exactly what we did. I think I just like forced her to take little dribbles of water and did some like probio type things. And like I said, I can't remember exactly. So I don't want to give too many details. Yeah. I know I Googled it and um, backyard poultry um forum probably saved my life again um because it always does 
But yeah, no, I I think as long as you're not going back and forth, you're probably fine. We haven't had any issues. The only issue that I've had a chick die from is extremely fast compacting um, pasty butt. Oh, which is yeah. just a different thing you have to keep an eye on, which is like the opposite of coccidiosis. Um, <laughs> so that's something you need to keep an eye on with all chicks, especially um, Polish crested chicks. They tend to need more vitamins, electrolytes, probiotics in the first couple of weeks compared to other chicks for whatever reason. They're just a little more dainty. Um, <laughs> dainty chicks. Of a chick to... Well, they are yeah. fancy chicks. So that sort of makes they sense. They are. My, my chicken selfie today was with Regina George. And she, her, I'm a little concerned because uh, the way her little fro or crest is coming out... Reminds me of how some of our male crests have come out. Oh, no. And my pet chicken does, I, I did the pullet sexing for it. But, you know, stuff happens. And there's two that are for sure looking like females. The other two, I'm like, I hope you're just having really bad hair days. Because <laughs> I can't have any more roosters. Oh, yeah. Um, but she, I, you know, it's still way too early to tell. But her fro is just like, um, but what we did just as an FYI for anybody that wants to get Polish crusted chicks, we did vitamins like every other time we filled the water, um, for the first couple of weeks and that pulled them through because I didn't know, you know, naturally I didn't know that they have the requirements, um, that are a little different from the average chick. So just a little nugget of information for the listeners, um. It's something we can dig into a little more. I didn't, haven't done a ton of research in, but it seems to work this round. So, yeah. If anything, the vitamins just make them zip around a little more. They're a little more hyper, but it doesn't really hurt anything. I mean, I'm a little more hyper after vitamins. I don't know about you. I'm a little more hyper after wine. <laughs> um, kind of makes me want to dance. So, Is Sam feeling yeah. like dancing right now? In her chair, yeah. There we go. Maybe just a little, yeah. A funny story and this is something I might have kind of mentioned like I know there's an episode titled I wasn't even drunk and I bought a pig that we posted I think in March it was pretty early on in our podcast recording um, and I purchased Hamlet my Juliana pig on St. Patrick's Day of this year 2018 he will be a year old in September um, unfortunately I don't know his actual birth date because the reader couldn't remember which just kind of blows my mind because I write all that stuff down in my phone as soon as like I have new life on my farm um, yeah it seems like that's a pretty important like uh yeah. Mm, yeah. like health records and stuff so <laughs> I'm just gonna go with like sometime beginning of September I don't know whenever I have time to make him a really fun pig cake I will do that <laughs> and that'll it be his it. birthday <laughs> but I think it's really funny because I think there's a misconception up there out there about, you know, pigs being dirty or smelly, but we kind of slacked on changing Hamlet's litter box. We, we tend to clean it out weekly, but it's gone a couple extra days. He was such a little dickhead. Like it, it, it amazes me. Like if he has a messy room, how much it affects his mood, he would just whine and he like, you know, Pigs have this incredibly strong snout, and he'd just, like, pick up his big 
kennel and like slam it on the floor. He's been like a whole different pig since we washed his bedding and cleaned his area. By most standards of like a quote unquote pig pen, it was still not that bad. We used the the horse bedding litter stuff in his little like rabbit litter pen thing. Um, So what happens when moisture hits that is it turns to dust. But then, you know, the dust kind of gets under his hooves and he carries it around a little bit. And even though he's fixed, he still emits kind of a little bit of a smell. Um, Mm. So we do wash his stuff weekly and change his litter box and all that stuff. But as soon as he gets a clean room and a big blanket, we found that we have to give him a blanket that you can't tear because he'll tear it if he can. So he's got one of those really big fleece blankets that people like tie the borders around it, you know, so it's like two layers of fleece. Um, He's a very spoiled boy, but it's like 180 different pig. And I just thought it was so interesting because there are so many misconceptions about pigs in general. The reasons that pigs are dirty, especially even pigs that are meant for like pork production, why they roll around in the mud and things like that is because, you know, it's like a natural sunscreen and insect repellent when they get dirty like that. So I'm sure a lot of people that are listening to this kind of know that about pigs, but I don't know. Since I've had this little mini pig in my life, I just think it's super interesting to figure out like how intelligent they are and how much of a personality they have and how smart they are about just the simplest things. Like my husband will even say like, oh, you need to get after him about something and I'm like, oh, but he did that like five minutes ago or, you know, like 10 seconds ago or something like that. He's like, you don't think he's smart enough to remember what he just did? <laughs> <laughs> he's like, he, actually, he is, though. It just blows I've my heard mind. That pigs are incredibly intelligent. I have an aunt that has always kept pot-bellied pigs as, as pets. Um, they're not the little pigs. She keeps like full-size mm-hmm. pigs as pets. I believe that they live outside, though. I don't think that she's ever had an inside pig. But yeah, she loves she loves them. She Like my entire life, she has had a pig as a pet. Mm-hmm. Um, and she just thinks that they're the greatest. And now she's in her 70s, and she still has a pig as a pet. Aww. And I think that that's just so cool. <laughs> that is. It does It does make me feel kind of bad now, though, when I do consume bacon. Especially if we, like, get a pizza. Like, last night we had this really delicious pizza that was, like, bacon and cheese. And oh, he yeah. smells it, and he starts going crazy because he thinks... He wants whatever we eat too. Now we don't. We typically don't feed him anything that we eat. His treats are like Cheerios, which are like the closest thing that we eat. Sometimes I give him scrambled eggs. Um, yeah, <laughs> those seem like reasonable. Yeah, treats. yeah, yeah. <laughs> but oh, I mean, he would totally eat bacon if we let him. But I just I can't go there. I can barely eat bacon when he's looking at me. So. <laughs> Well, remember, we've talked about in a past episode how we can't hold animals up to the same standards that we hold human beings yeah. up to. No, he knows he smells delicious. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, even pigs know that bacon smells good. Yeah. Yeah. So um, someone had said to me the other day that they don't ever eat pork because they said it's the most like parasite filled meat that there is out there. Mm. But then I told her, I was like, you know, I, I mean, all of our pork that we eat. And it's so funny. This is a little bit of a side tangent, but it's funny how when you start to raise animals, 
how you sort of take a closer look at your food sources and like where your food is coming from. Yeah. Um, but she had mentioned that she never eats pork and I'm like, Oh, how, how sad for you that you don't get bacon, but you are a meat eater. There are lots of vegans and lots of vegetarians and stuff. And, and you've made the choice to, to not be a meat eater whatsoever. And that's totally fine. There's, I, I have no judgment against vegetarians or vegans or how you decide to eat. But I was like, if you are going to still eat meat, like why take a whole like animal out of the spectrum of meat that you'll eat just because of like a misconception of whether or not the meat is clean or not. We get all of Mm -hmm. our pigs from the Amish and pork is the number one thing that I have. I'll go buy whole hogs from the Amish and I have them cut them to my specifications and I have a whole deep freeze that is dedicated just to pork. Oh, wow. The only other thing that I have in the deep freeze at similar levels is venison um, and chicken because, you know, we butchered our own chickens here. But like I don't even do a side of beef anymore because I really enjoy the way that the ground pork tastes in tacos Mm -hmm. or any of the other dishes that I used to just put beef in. And we eat a lot of venison in as opposed to beef now as well. So I told her, I was like, if you can find an ethical source of pork, you know, that raises it on a pasture, butchers ethically and, you know, cuts cleanly and does the whole gamut, you know, in a way that that you're happy with, you should give pork a try again. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I think it's a big difference when you're buying meat at the store like I do. We don't have the resources right now to buy from a source where we know exactly how that meat is treated I would like to get to that point or to be to the point where I can raise a lot of my own meat so I definitely have no judgment in people that have financial restrictions or even just where you live restrictions around where you're finding your meat but yeah I think that's really wise advice to say that you can rethink something or kind of you can go back and change your mind on something based on new information or new sources. So, yeah. No, I think that makes sense. Hey, Bev, what's your favorite treat to give your chickens? Oh, it's definitely grubblies. Oh, well, <laughs> what a dink! That's mine, too. <laughs> <laughs> We're like the same person. I know. It's so weird, right? <laughs> um, but one of the main reasons I love Grubbly Farms is because they're a small business run by, like, two really young, fantastic businessmen, and it actually started in their laundry room. Now, I don't know about you, but... Um, getting boys to do their laundry is kind of a struggle. So it doesn't surprise me that this started in their laundry room with 700 black soldier fly grubs. That's amazing. So not only are you supporting a small business when you purchase grubblies, but you're also giving like the healthiest treat that you possibly can to your chickens because they're super high in protein. They're super high in calcium. So it means strong eggshells and strong, healthy feathers. And seriously, The grubblies bring all the hens to the yard. Yes. And they're like, it's better than worms. Yes. (laughs) So use uh, code WINE20 at checkout. You'll get 20% off your first order of grubblies. And they also have a super sweet subscription. So you can just bring the grubblies to your house every month without thinking about it. And your chickens will love you for forever, basically. True that. So we watched the garlic episode of Rotten. We did. Oh my gosh. 
I can't believe it took us this long to watch this episode, quite honestly. Yeah. I, you know what? And I, I think this one got me the most annoyed out of all of them, too. Like, I know I was, like, rage texting you a little bit yesterday after we watched it. And I was like, I hate everybody <laughs> that was on this documentary. Except for the one guy that, like, exposed the garlic company harmony like i didn't have any ill feelings towards him because i think what I, he was doing was like literally just trying to expose bad things but the oh, other you're talking people? about the guy that exposed the prisoners that yes, were peeling garlic that. and then they were still importing it into the united states yes. even though there are laws against importing prisoner peeled garlic in the united states right yeah or prisoner there there are laws um in, in the united states there are laws against importing food that used forced prison labor to produce it. Bottom line. Yeah, that's the right. simplest way to put that. Yeah. And, like, I I don't know. I can understand why there are laws around that. But at the same time, don't we have, like, prisoners here that make license plates? Or is um, that, like, a I misconception? Mean... <laughs> or are they paid? I'm not sure. I'm just ignorant. But I'm like, if you're in prison and you're paying your debt for something... Then I guess maybe that doesn't bother me as long as you're not being tortured. But there is definitely like a big gray area because prison in China is probably very different than like prison in America, you know. Well, and I mean, and, you know, like deciding whether or not like forced prison labor is okay opens up all sorts of other ethical things that we won't talk about specifically. But like, you know, like how is the justice system in that country? Like is the justice system, you know, uh what's what I'm looking for like communism <laughs> well like is it an ethical justice system like right. does it actually put people away that actually did the crimes or does like as soon as somebody's accused of something are they just pigeonholed into it for a hundred years and right. never actually get a real trial do they have a trial by jury do they have a trial by like a competent judge I mean I don't know there's a lot of questions when it comes to 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 the prison systems in in various countries and the United States isn't perfect either. I mean, there's all sorts of problems with prisons for profit and whatnot. I mean, but this podcast is about farming, so we're not even going to talk about that. Right. Also, another takeaway that I got from that whole thing was if you don't sign any legal agreements, you should not be mad about not getting what you thought you were going to (laughs) get. Right. Well, I mean, I'm sorry that, but you can't, I, I kind of am under the guise of, um, and maybe this is because of my short stint in Metro Detroit, um, trust no one, help no one is very much something I like kind of, kind of air to the side of, you know, See, and how that's I so feel funny, about things. Because I'm totally the opposite. I yeah, help everybody I, and I'm far too trustworthy for everybody. <laughs> yeah. And I'm just very much like, if I don't have it, like it's. But for something where you're promised, like, a shit ton of money, you get that shit in writing and you get lawyers involved. Like, (laughs) whether you know that person or not, like, at a certain threshold, you want protection for both parties. And that wasn't happening for the, I can't remember their names, the, the author guy and then the the hippie couple <laughs> i'm not saying hippie is like derogatory you know what i mean like they were just very like um 
open the you know sustainable living like they had very very good intentions but you have to be smart and you have to protect yourself and not assume oh because this uh stand guy or whatever the hell his name is is gonna get this equipment we can totally use it you know and it's gonna be fine it's like no do you really do you really know him though like don't you want to protect yourself it's not like you're exactly neighbors you know, like it's it's different for me to like trust my neighbor to help me with something than trusting somebody that, you know, has a book and is kind of a big deal. Like that to me was just sheer like it could have been avoided or it could have been like protection for both sides more because from my perspective, I thought they were both very like just naive in how they handled that situation. Like you can't promise people money. We don't know for sure if he did or not. Um, well, and the whole thing was sort of versa. weird um, because yeah. what happened was um, so because this because there were allegations or well, so this isn't even an allegation. This is true. This one company was just not being reviewed mm-hmm. um, for the dumping fees, and because right. this company wasn't being reviewed, these garlic companies in China hired this lawyer in the United States. Um, to try to get him to get this company, Harmony, reviewed. And in order to do that, he had to get some American garlic companies involved um, requesting a review. So that's what he did. He found two growers in New Mexico that were willing to ask for this Chinese company, Harmony, to get reviewed um, for, you know, their dumping activities. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I mean, I mean, the long story short of it, you've got to watch it. Um, if you're no matter, interested in garlic whatsoever, like the whole thing is just sort of fascinating. It's it's screwed up. And the thing is, is it, it kind of shows that it's an overarching theme. I think of a lot of these episodes of Rotten is that the big guy is going to win and the big guy is protected and the little guy is just trying to stick it to the man, but they can't because it's it's a big guy. Um And I think the overall theme is you just really, unfortunately, need to be skeptical and protect yourself, whether you're the big guy or the little guy. And it feels like you shouldn't have to protect yourself or watch your back if you're the little guy because your intentions are different than, like, in this episode. (coughs) Excuse me. In this episode of, you know, the big guy totally screwing everybody over and getting away with things. Like, that shoe guy, um, I liked him because he went in there, he did the work, and he figured it out, and he exposed it. But in the end, like, Harmony was fine, right? Yeah, like I mean, really they, ended up, happened. they ended up not actually getting reviewed, which sort of blew my mind because I feel like if you're going to have, like, an independent panel that reviews companies for following the laws, everybody should just be on a review cycle. I yeah. mean, it can be random yeah. so that... You know, you're not on your best behavior during your review year. Um, But, yeah, if you're going to have a panel that reviews whether everybody's following the rules, like, everybody has to get reviewed, right? Or maybe I'm just being naive. No, no, no. I don't think so. No, I don't think so. I think that's fair. It's like the public health department calling a restaurant saying we're going to be there in, like, within the next two weeks to, you know, inspect you. So, of course, they're going to be on their best behavior the next two weeks. It should be random. Because that's where your understanding of 
wow, these are really, this is really how they're functioning as a company or a restaurant or whatever. Um, because there is no warning, you should be functioning as 100% all the time. Yeah. When people's, when it's food, especially, you know, <laughs> well, like people are ingesting these items, you should be able to, you know, be reviewed on how you're handling things. Well, from- and it really grossed me out that he had filmed prisoners cracking the root of the garlic with their mm-hmm. teeth and then putting it yep. in. But yep. so it's funny that our takeaway was totally different on this garlic thing. Like my takeaway was just never buy prepackaged garlic. <laughs> which is something that I had never done before. Yeah. It had never occurred to me to buy like, so I've seen those jars of like the minced garlic and those packages of get. the peeled yeah. garlic. I had seen those before and like I walked by them and I was like, well, but so my, when I first started like cooking for real, cooking is one of my hobbies. Like I love to cook. I make a lot of really good meals around here and cooking was sort of what drove me to gardening, which was what drove me to wanting to raise animals and blah, blah, blah. We won't talk about my origin story anymore because we're trying to be brief. <laughs> um, but like, like cracking and peeling garlic is something that just comes so naturally and easily to me. Like when I first saw those on the grocery store shelves for the first time, I was like, what on earth is this? I'm like, I don't understand. (laughs) Like garlic lasts for forever when you store it properly on the counter. So I can't imagine ever wanting or needing to refrigerate it. And I had used that jarred garlic once because somebody was like, oh, you'll save so much time on your meals if you if you use this. So just use this. And I smelled it and it doesn't smell like garlic to me. Like it smells weird. And, See, and now that freaks weird. me out because I use the mince stuff because I am clumsy and I'm afraid I'm going to cut myself. I mean, I'll have to show you how <laughs> I prepare my garlic, but it's so easy. Like I just like literally like the bulbs pop off of it. The paper is a little messy and I hate messing with it. But whenever I cook a meal, the first thing I do is I put our compost bin inside my produce sink and I pop the garlic peel off and then I use the end of the knife to just smash it and when I smash it that pops all of the paper off of that garlic clove and peels it away so it's not a pain whatsoever and then I'm gonna mince it anyways because there's very few recipes where I use garlic cloves whole so smashing Mm -hmm. it doesn't do any like real damage to it and it's easier to mince once it's smashed so I literally pop a clove off smash it with the bottom of the knife and then I flatten it with the flat part of the knife peel the paper off and I chop it all up. It takes 30 seconds per clove of garlic. Yeah. My takeaway from all of the rotten series is just raise your own shit, <laughs> like grow your own shit. <laughs> then you know where it's coming from. You don't have to worry about shady shit happening to your stuff. You don't have to worry about prisons biting your garlic before you get it like or prisoners. Not so are prison. you going to start that buying whole garlic sense, but... now that I told you how to do it properly? I might. I don't know. We'll see. I have like a whole jar of minced garlic right now. And you're like, I hate um, throwing it away because you hate being like yeah. wasteful also. Like what's worse, being might... wasteful or continuing to use a product that, you know, you're not super happy about its origins. I, I think that being wasteful is yeah. worse because it's already been produced and it's already in your kitchen. So it's not, you're not saving the world throwing it in the trash. A poor prisoner might might have lost like his pinky nail doing that, and I don't want that to be in vain, right? Because <laughs> um, apparently they lose their fingernails and have to bite things. Yeah. So, which is a whole different level of screwed up. Like, if you're gonna make prisoners do that, whatever country they're from, like at least give them some gloves. Like Jesus, right? I mean, you can buy super cheap gloves from the store. <laughs> it's not hard. 
But, you know, communist China, you know, it is what it is. Just don't go to prison in China, apparently, or anywhere, you know, just keep your nose clean. Yeah, right. <laughs> I mean, I, I think I am going to try to plant some garlic this fall, though. Um, It's something that I've always wanted to do. I, I can't promise that I'm actually going to be able to do it because, I mean. Yeah. I thought about it, too, after this episode. I saw somebody in our group comment, like, they watched the homework before we did. Um, And they're like, oh, I grew garlic, and it took a lot of room up in my garden beds, and now I'm going to just do this, this, and this next year. And I'm like, oh, maybe I don't know what I'm doing, but I could try. I mean, what's the worst? It doesn't work. Like, it can't be that hard to grow garlic. Well, I mean, fall is the perfect time to to put it it in um, because it overwinters well. And then, you know, the green shoots pop up in the early springtime. And then when the green shoots start to die off, that's when the garlic is ready for harvest. Um, And that should be sometime like mid to late spring. So you should still be able to put in a summer garden as well, like in the area where the garlic was. But part of that's going to depend on your zone and uh, like how warm it actually gets every you know spring and whatnot like there's a lot of nuances to gardening it's hard to like actually talk about specific gardening on this podcast because people listen from all over the country and in other countries with totally different climates so growing garlic is going to be totally different for everybody you and I it's going to be pretty similar because our climates are pretty similar but but do what Sam's going to do and just freaking Google it uh, for your climate to figure out how not to be unsuccessful. <laughs> right, yeah. That'll that'll do it. Rather than talking about specifically how to grow garlic. Um, but I do know that it overwinters. It's best to overwinter. Right. So that's if I do get to put some in, that's what I'm planning on doing with it. Yeah. Maybe I'll give it a whirl because my summer garden did not go so well. Um, I'm about to rip everything out and just throw it into the coop run area so my chickens can just play with it and pack it it. Um, so yeah, maybe I'll just, I'll give that a whirl in some of my huge pots that I have that were successful, but are starting to, starting to dry up and be done, um, giving me tomatoes. So yeah. So while Sam is really fired up about garlic, um, she went on a binge the uh, the other day, being yesterday, on Netflix, Netflix, and she watched um, The Bleeding Edge, which is a documentary about the medical device industry, um, which was very open, or um, which was very eye-opening because a lot of the, well, all of the medical device industry is under the umbrella of the FDA, um, and just learning about the lax regulations and loopholes around the medical devices um, makes me want to just quite frankly throw up, especially as a female. A lot of the examples given in that documentary were around female um, devices like um, eSure and um, vaginal mesh, which I'm sure you've seen the scary commercials for legal for if you've had vaginal mesh problems, contact this lawyer, blah, 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 blah. Um, it kind of goes into some of that. So it got Sam pretty fired up. She suggested to Bev that she should watch it because she knows she'd get fired up too. But considering like the FDA regulates so many different things like 
obviously food and drugs. Um, and medical devices are definitely something that are less regulated. Um, and the loopholes are kind of terrifying. So just as like an FYI to our listeners who we love so very much, go watch that. Take it with a grain of salt, obviously, because, you know, any kind of food or drug or medical device, or, there might be some risks associated with that. Obviously, there's probably some bias built into this documentary, like any All of the documentaries have bias built into them. We acknowledged that before we, when we have watched all of the other episodes of Rotten. I realized we forgot to acknowledge mm-hmm. that when we assigned this one as homework. So this is us acknowledging it now. <laughs> yeah, like obviously anything. You need to do your own research. You need to Google it. Even what you see on CNN or Fox News or wherever you get your news, take it with a grain of salt. Do your own research. Dig yourself. That's the only way to truly know both sides um, because with any kind of thing that's being thrown in front of your face, there's probably bias. Just like the stuff that me and Bev talk about. We have bias because that was our experience, but it's not necessarily somebody else's experience. Um, But yeah, I thought that was another one. We won't talk about it extensively on this podcast because it has nothing to do with farming Um, But if you like documentaries like me and Bev about just about anything, um, definitely one that'll get you fired up in like WTF. (laughs) So that's my Netflix plug. Um, Netflix is not a sponsor, by the (laughs) way. Maybe they should be because we keep like assigning (laughs) them as homework. (laughs) I know. Well, I've noticed that some like bigger podcasts will plug different like Netflix original stuff. So maybe someday we'll get there. Oh, maybe someday. (laughs) Someday. (laughs) Well, so I thought we would end this episode on something kind of fun, which is the Local 30 Challenge that Andrea Bemis from Dishing Up the Dirt is doing. And I mean, I want to say that most of our listeners know who Andrea Bemis is, but honestly, until I started uh, working with the Living Homegrown podcast, I hadn't heard of her. So Teresa actually just did an episode with her that dropped um, Friday of last week from when this episode is going to drop. So Mm. go look that one up. She goes into detail for 40 minutes exactly about what this challenge is all about. Um, But I thought it would be a good one to share with our listeners because I just loved her cheats and her rules. Like the basic gist of it is that um, they're challenging themselves and anybody who wants to join them to try to eat everything um that is not everything to try to only eat what's produced within 200 miles of their home which depending on where you live in the country is going to be easier or harder for you like where i live in ohio that's not a very it i mean it's still a semi-difficult challenge but like i have a lot of resources to eat locally here because there's such a big amish and mennonite population that produce food around Mm me so doing a challenge like this wouldn't be super onerous for me but uh her cheats I thought were so much fun and were so down to earth like number one is coffee because the damn veggies aren't going to harvest themselves (laughs) (laughs) and I mean like another one is like you know black pepper because it gives so much flavor to your food and like finding locally sourced black pepper like good luck I have no idea where black pepper comes from but I can't believe that there's not a rotten series on it because I'm sure that there's some sort of like thing behind black pepper because it's just (laughs) you there has to be a black pepper mafia I can't wait to start looking into it beer you know because Mm. beer is life uh, I made a joke with somebody the other day, though, um, that beer is just fermented hop-infused sparkling soda. 
So, I mean, (laughs) so it's good for you. Uh, I mean, I don't know. Um, But yeah, I mean, local beer can be hard to find depending on where you're at. Um, My very favorite one, though, I have to read this whole one. It's number 10. And it's to not be an asshole when somebody invites you over for dinner. (laughs) Because like the spirit of the challenge is to eat for a whole month um, locally with food and items that are produced within 200 miles of your house. But like if your 90 year old neighbor invites you over for milk and cookies, go do it. Don't tell them that you're a part of this challenge that lets you only eat within 200 miles of, you know, your food that's produced within 200 miles of your home, because the spirit of the, uh, of the challenge is bigger than that. It's just, you know, sharing and being local and getting to know your neighbors and your farmers and whatnot. So we're going to leave links to that episode of the Living Homegrown podcast and to this um, challenge so that if you want to get involved in it, you can. And that's all I'll say about it. I won't go into it in any detail. You guys can click around yeah. and, and get to know it better. But the rules were just in, in the spirit of this podcast. So I was like, I've got to share this in case other people haven't heard of it. <laughs> yeah. No, I think it's really cute and a really good idea. I'm of the mindset. <coughs> excuse me. <coughs> I'm of the mindset that like. The only way I can do things is if I, like, ease myself into them. So if you're kind of like me and can't go to, like, balls to the walls, like, yes, 30 days, I'm only eating something within 200 miles of where I live. Maybe, like, just do a couple days a week where you're doing that. Or just one meal Um, a month. She actually talks about this in the blog post that I'll link to and in the podcast episode. She talks about this. You can join like as balls to the wall as, as you want to. Like if you just want to do yeah. one meal a week that's all local, you can still take a picture of it and hashtag it. You know, the I, I can't remember what her hashtag is off of the top of my head, but the links, all of it will, will be in the show notes so that you guys can get involved if you want to. Um, but yeah, she says you don't have to be perfect. This is not a challenge right. about perfection. It's just about opening your eyes to what's available around you. Oh, shit. You know what? I don't even know where to get, like, local coffee. But if I could, like, grow my own coffee beans, like, I'm probably, well, like, what zone am I am? Is that even, like, allowed? Yeah. So, like, M.I. Gardner, which is not that far from you. I can't remember where he is exactly, but he is in Michigan. I know Michigan's uh-huh. a big-ass state. Um, but M.I. Gardner, he grows coffee beans. Not all of his coffee beans, but he does have a coffee tree. He brings it inside his house for the winter. Um, but you can go check out his YouTube channel and his blog if you want to know how to Shit. how to grow coffee. I didn't even know he was like a person. But if I could grow my own, like I want it to taste like Tim Hortons. Oh, uh, I, I mean, that? it's probably not going to taste like Tim Hortons. <laughs> but I think that's why coffee is a cheat on this is because everybody's coffee beans come from like South America. Like I buy yeah. local coffee because it's locally roasted. But the coffee beans mm. are not grown in Ohio. I mean, they're grown in the climate that coffee is meant to grow in. That's why like. Right. Nobody has local bananas. <laughs> I wish I could grow my own. Oh bananas. my god! Do you know that how big a of a banana thing. field I would have to have in order to grow oh. all of the bananas we eat in this house? I mean, there are just some things that. <laughs> yeah. So, like we like with anything, take a grain of salt with this. Don't be too hard on yourself. But like any little changes you can make have a overall like ripple effect and impact. And I think that's like the overall message of this whole thing. Yeah, I think so too. And Um, I'm a big believer in that small things make a difference. Like, you know, Mm -hmm. I I bring my 
my reusable bags to the grocery store. I mean, I know that in my lifetime, I'm not going to use that many plastic bags, but still, I think that my little small bit is helpful. It's like the compound yeah, effect. Yeah, I'm a big believer like, in the compound effect. Yeah. So even, yeah. even if you just eat one local meal a month, like... I think it'll yeah. be fun. Or even drink yeah. like a six pack of local beer. There you go. Kind of a big deal. I Maybe we should measure things on alcohol instead of food. <laughs> <laughs> or both. Uh, I'm starting to think that um, all that I'm going to consume today is alcohol since we're getting so far past dinner time. So. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I just texted my husband and I was like, you can make the taco meat if you don't want to wait. I'm going to be a few more minutes. <laughs> that was pretty smart. So yeah. do we want to assign the cod episode of just so I that we can so. wrap this bitch up yeah. and be done with the Rotten series? Exactly. Well, thanks for listening, guys. Yeah, thanks. We tried to keep the BS down today. I don't know how successful we were, but... Uh, we tried. Yep. Yeah. Um, we're going to be successful after Bev edits this. So, <laughs> Ooh, Because Bev's awesome. Make sure you check out our Facebook group that we mentioned. Uh, we drink and we farm things. And our Instagram at drink and farm. We use this fun little hashtag. Hashtag drink and farm. Um, where you can show us you drinking and farming safely. And we are able to feature two different accounts each week on Tuesdays and Thursdays. There are no real rules other than drink and farm safely, please and thank you. Yep, that's it. Yeah. So drink. Farm. And, and give, give zero, zero clucks. clucks. Bye, Bye, guys. guys. <laughs>